cliffcentral.com Fashion Lab on cliffcentral.com Bonjour, salam, zaubona, jambo, hola to you all. It's a beautiful afternoon right here where I am. I don't know what time it is in your side of the hood, but welcome to the Fashion Lab show. My name is Lisa Gumba Regisford, your host, and thank you for tuning in uh, once again. Now, today we're going to be focusing on this African fashion consumer. I think that's one of the really hot topics that I feel we should be talking about as we look at the evolution of fashion as we uh, continue to grow and develop this uh, very uh, serious industry, I feel like one of the things we cannot ignore is the fashion consumer and how they're confu- and how they're consuming fashion in this continent. Who is this consumer? What do they want? Do they have access to what they're actually looking for here within the local hubs? Is the local retail set up to fulfill this consumer's fashion fantasies? Now I wonder that, but. The good news for me before we plurge and splurge, I want to just share something real quick. Um, now, according to an article I came across on Euromonitor for the African fashion industry, it actually says that the industry, the African fashion industry is worth $31 billion playing in obviously the $3 trillion industry. And I think that's commendable. However, I still feel like we really have a lot of work to do, Africa. So we can definitely do much more than that because, you know, it's all about Africa. I think that's what it is. Now, since we are growing as an industry, this is the time more than ever that we should be tapping into the consumer's mindset more than ever. What they do, what they want. You know, are these African brands giving them what they want? It's a new day, guys. Um, fashion consumption can no longer be dictated like it used to be. And that is the reason that we are having this conversation. Now, according to a report I came across, it's a 2013 report by McKinsey around the rise of African fashion consumers. Uh, here are some facts that I just feel I should share before we um, continue and introduce our very special guests who are also going to be joining us on the show today. Now, the first point is Africans are exceptionally optimistic about their economic future. 84% of Africans say they'll be better off in two years. Uh, I think that's not news, but hey. Number two, another really cool fact about this African consumer is Internet use is a way greater uh, situation right now. What's going on with Internet um, in 2013 when this report was released was about more than 50% of urban Africans said they had access to the Internet in the last four weeks, which was on par with the reportage usage in Brazil and China. Now, we're talking, we're in 2017 now, so you can do the math and just kind of see where we are right now. So another thing about this African consumer is they're brand conscious and they demand quality products, belying the view that the African continent is backwater where companies can sell second-rate merchandise. Now, obviously, for those companies who don't know, I've got news for you, surely, Africa is not a dumping pit. We don't want that rubbish. So please take those things back to wherever you got them from because the consumer here you're talking to today has really high expectations when it comes to what they want. They can afford it. Money day, like they say in Nigeria. So, hey, take the rubbish away. We only want the best of the best. And the fourth point that I want to make around African consumers is they want the latest fashion and a modern shopping experience. So obviously, from a retail perspective, retailers, I'm saying, please make the experience hot. Eh? Make it hot. Uh, anyway, um, talking to you, Africa, if you're listening, the world is also listening. What do you want as a fashion consumer in this continent? Do you have access to your fashion high locally? Our lines are open, and we're also on Twitter 
at Fashion Lab AF. We are on Instagram and Facebook at Fashion Lab Africa. I would love to hear from you. Now, before I introduce our special guests today, we're going to be joined by Morag Stein, who's our internationally accredited beauty consultant and makeup artist, and she normally comes in to glam up the show. We need that dose of makeup. We need that dose of beauty tips. So that will be coming on. We're also joined by our New York contributor, Edgy Benson, with his Echoes from New York. Edgy runs NU New York, which is a fashion services company based in New York, sourcing services to fashion designers and fashion houses. Edgy, welcome to the show. Thank you, Liz. It's so nice to have you back from, from your holiday. <laughs> Do you have to tell the whole world? Gosh, like seriously. No. Why? why? Edgy, anyway, I want I'm to... I'm just so happy. Okay, well, I'm, th- I'm grateful. Thank you. I'm happy to, to hear from you too. Edgy, what are you wearing before I go on further? <laughs> now that you're announcing all my business. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have a t-shirt and a pair of blue jeans today. It's a beautiful day and I'm just trying to stay loose. <laughs> stay loose? <laughs> okay, we'll come back yeah. to that. <laughs> loose. We'll come back to that. Now, for those who are tuned in for the first time, uh, I've got this beautiful segment. It's my favorite segment at the end of the show. It's called Who Would You Want to Dress and Why? So feel free to share with us your who's and your why's. Uh, that segment, I call it the red glass of wine. So when you hear me saying pass the wine, it's not wine, wine. It's just who would you want to dress and why? Now, keep your tweets coming. We're at Fashion Lab AF. Share with us your thoughts. And uh, I want to just go straight and jump into introducing our special guests today. Now, I've got two special guests today from the east side of Africa, for those who are interested in knowing where. And uh, the first guest is uh, the brainchild behind the designer studio in Kenya, which is a lifestyle premium platform that connects you to the world of fashion and design in Kenya, shedding light on a new African reality through content and commerce. Now, inspired to create accessibility and knowledge of the Kenyan fashion brands, this madame has set up TDS, which is an online fashion magazine that would help her share brand stories to bring these brands closer to the consumer. Allow me to introduce and to welcome Wanjiko Nyoike. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Thank you so much. Hi. Hi. Glad to be on the show. Thank you. Was that a good introduction? <laughs> will you keep me, will you, do, do you want me to send a recording so you can maybe plug it in every time? Did I do well? <laughs> Oh, that was perfect. I think I should just have you introduce me every time I walk around. Okay, fantastic. And I'll make sure, and I'll make sure I send a recording to you. Welcome to the show, Wanjiko. And, um, before we go on, what are you wearing? Cause that's just, uh, protocol. Where, what are you wearing and what's inspiring your look today? Well, my look today is actually just relaxed. I'm wearing like a shift kind of dress by a local designer called Elelek. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like it's like a turquoise kind of green dress with some print touches of print. It's really cool, but I'm just feeling very calm today. Well, very well, easy. well, welcome to the show and congratulations on your brand new store at the Two Rivers Mall, where you proudly stock 14 Kenyan brands. And I love that you're just waving that flag so high. Now, I want to also introduce another guest who's also joining us today. Uh, as much as she's joining us on the show as a transporter, she actually has over 10 years experience in communication, strategy, and marketing. Her work is entrenched in development, communication, and organizational oh, development. And she's been working with government, private sector, NGO development partners, as well as small to medium enterprises to strategize and communicate change. Allow me to welcome to the show my sister also, <laughs> Sharon Olago. Sharon, welcome to the show. 
Thank you, Liz. Was, was that I a, love the spirit. Was that a good show. introduction or what? <laughs> like, I'm, it was okay, but you, I think you need to put in some more effort, huh? Ah, <laughs> Sharon, you just bashed me. Okay, fine. <laughs> we, are going, <laughs> we are putting so much effort, but you know, maybe that's not what I should be doing. So I'll try to focus on the things that I know how to do. But welcome to the show and thank you for joining us, Sharon. What are you wearing? What's inspiring your look? You won't believe it, but it's a Lisa Gumbo. Yes, it is your, your oh. line from three years ago, though. It's the zip frontal midi dress. Ah, check you yeah. out. And what's inspiring my look, it's, um, I just had a meeting today and I had to look chic, beautiful, but at the same time, a bit conservative. So this is what I want. Bam. That's Sharon for you. Sharon, welcome to the show. And thank you for joining us. Um, I want to now you, go, Liz. yes, and I want to go straight to the, into the point. And you guys will realize we've got a hot, uh, fresh, uh, contributor. His name is Edgy. Huh? So don't feel mm-hmm. shy to just engage. We will mm-hmm. be engaging in a open, open house format. Huh? Edgy, you can, you can, you can blush or you can make some jokes with the girls before we start, but we're going straight into uh, the conversation. Anything you want to oh, say God. before we start? Cause you know, once I start, I'm going. We're moving. No, I'm just happy that Sharon is in Lee's. <laughs> <laughs> okay, guys, <laughs> listen, I want to go straight into yeah. the show and uh, Edgy can keep his comments. I'm sure they'll come in later um, in bulk. <laughs> now, now um, we wa- I want to go first to Wanjiko. We- I want to talk about the transition, Wanjiko, um, about, you know, like, so we're looking at your online fashion magazine platform, which is TDS, and the transition from that to setting up a shop at the mall. Let's talk about it a bit. What gap do you think you're fulfilling, and how did that transition happen uh, from the online magazine to let's set up shop? Well, ironically, the online magazine was supposed to be set up uh, last it was supposed to be the shop first, but by the time I wanted to, when I started TDS, I realized I didn't know much about the local designers and what they needed. So the online fashion magazine filled that gap of providing information about who the designers are and what are the issues that the industry is facing and what's the future of fashion like in Kenya. So the physical store provides that gap of accessibility to designers because there was actually a customer who came in. And she just praised the fact that she doesn't have to go to Karen one side of town to the other side of town to another side of town for each designer. And you're able to come to one shop and just get a group of them. So you can get diverse things. And the the best thing about the store for me is that people can come in. They don't know about designers, but they will buy the product because it's good and because it meets their need. Like if they're going for an event, they buy a dress from one designer a necklace from another, maybe a handbag for work from another designer. So people get to understand that you don't have to go far for them. So it's now bringing them closer to the consumer. You know, what I also love the fact about your space is that with 14 brands, which is just such a wide variety or diverse um, offering when it comes to what you're selling in there, it almost becomes a one-stop shop. I think the only thing I didn't see was shoes. But um, yeah. So for for me, what I want to just touch on quickly is obviously because of the fact that fashion has evolved so much from a consumer perspective as well as a retail perspective. How do you keep yeah. up with the constant evolution as a retailer without compromising what you serve your consumer? Because obviously your consumers come to you because there's something you're offering. But at the, at the same time, I'm sure there's always a demand or there's always someone who says, 
I'm looking for this or are you thinking of bringing this or where can I get this? But the more that they can actually have all of this and access it from your hub, the easier it becomes for them. And, and the, I'm sure you're smiling to the bank, honey. Let's just tell yeah. the truth. So how do you, t- yeah. So tell me, how do you, how do you, how do you keep up with the evolution and how do you keep up with, you have 14 brands, but you obviously have to keep, on keeping on so you've got to obviously refresh the merchandise what are you doing to keep everything fresh and keep the consumer coming back every week well the part of keeping it um keeping updated even for us it's through having the online fashion magazine so that always keeps us aware about who are the new designers coming up what are some of the the, that evolution we're part of it now content wise so in terms of the store we can't provide everything but we do have customers who come in and they make their requests. We have a lot of designers who also come into the store wanting to be part of it. So we do find ways of incorporating new designers and seeing how we can bring them into the market. I mean, I wish I had a bigger space because then I would be able to fit all the designers as they came along. But um, it's always listening to the customer. I think the biggest thing is if you listen to the customer and you hear what they want, then you, always, you can always tell even how they walk in the shop can always guide what a customer is really looking for. So we know, and even in our shop, how the customer walks. Where do they go first? What do they look for? Um, and we can some, now we can start to tell when this customer walks in, where will they go? And the other customer will go somewhere else. So that's how you can tell, okay, remove that from the shelf that's not selling, let's put something else, and then you keep it fresh. So that's, yeah, that's a way of keeping up with it. Okay. It's just, here's on the ground. We always have to talk to the consumer. Okay, so Sharon, I want to jump to you real quick. Now, as a transporter and a fashion consumer who also goes beyond borders to get what you want, because I know you, Sharon, you want what you want, and that's the end of the story. There's no, I mean, if we are flying to Timbuktu, we are. Edgy and Wanjiko, you better hear me. I'm not even playing. When she wants it, it doesn't matter where, where it is. We're getting it. It's, that's no. So for you, Sharon, how is the Kenyan retail offering working for you, uh, when it comes to your fashion needs? Because you've been, you've traveled a lot. You've, um, spent a lot of time in different countries and you're now in Kenya and you still, nothing has changed about you want what you want now. But how are you coping with it? And do you feel that the retail hubs are actually offering you what you want in Kenya today? Well, I have to say that it has really transformed, and um, especially with uh, the onset of stores like TDS as well as Dichotomy. Uh, we're looking at Republic.k. We're looking at people like uh, Diana Opoti, who has gone out of there in Africa, bringing in stuff that people would want to wear. But I think the reason why things are changing is that those people, people like Wanjiko, have realized that um, Kenyans... Kenyans are actually very westernized in how they in how they dress. You see, most designers used to assume, and I know, Liz, that you will argue with me about this because I've spoken to you about this before, but this whole move towards having to dress in African fabric the whole time, the peplum <laughs> is here in African fabric, okay? We have the crops now in African fabric, you know, thinking that fashion in Africa is African fabric. It's not only African fabric. And that's why stores like TDS are now making people like us go to the malls to shop, which was not the norm. Because mm, you are tired of Most the print. Of the- Mama Onyango is selling print on the corner. John is yeah. selling it. Everyone was selling it. 
And it's not only me who was tired, because, you know, the thing is this, when it comes to spotting, all you have to do is look around. If you look at Nairobi, and not just Nairobi, but I'm talking about the urban cities without, within Kenya, if you look at what people are wearing, people are wearing just conservative clothing, and not really conservative, but not conservative, but more westernized, you know, like uh, plain pants, dresses, uh, and in not necessarily in African fabric. Mm. African fabric is actually more popular in the rural areas. <laughs> no, it, it, it is. It is. Even there's research has shown that when Jiko, maybe you yeah. can you can you can um you can pitch in on this one. So yeah. for most of us we would want to wear African fabric and I do wear African fabric, but uh in a very limited way. You know, not all the time. I don't go to the office with it all the time. I like to wear it. I'd like to accessorize, actually, mm. with it, you know? And so what Wanjiko has done with her store, I think, is, is actually fabulous. Um, because on the one hand, it represents cosmopolitan Africa, you know? It, it represents the Africa. It represents the Africa that we are today because we are a fusion of different cultures. Um, um, I mean, there's a lot to fashion, and fashion is life. And the more we can get stores curated as she is curating has, I think the better for us. Mm-hmm. And the more we can actually shop in Africa as well. Wanjiko, um, I want to now come back to you with that point, Sharon, also just, was just also touching on. Is I have been to your store as well and I saw that obviously there was quite, uh, it, it, was a, it was a good space to be in because I feel like if someone walked in looking for a plain black pant they probably could find it if they were looking for like a floral top they would find it and then if they were looking for a kitenge or some sort of african print something mm-hmm. or accent they would find it how is your consumer um what is your consu- what do you see or what do you feel based on your consumer and first of all is your consumer trend driven or do they gravitate more towards an individual style drive and then come in and just get what they want without necessarily focusing so much on the print or without running away from it? What are you seeing through your foot traffic in the store? Um, so first of all, Sharon, thank you so much for your kind words. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, and I would yeah, agree with what Sharon is actually saying. There's, there's, it depends on who the consumer is. So for those who are travelers, they come in and they tend to gravitate towards things with print. Because I think they want to go home where they've come from with something, a touch of Africa for the sake of not finding a better phrase to describe that. Um, and then most consumers, actually, the Kenyan ones, they come and they look for plain things. Like they don't, they're not necessarily looking for loud, shouty type of things. Um, but in terms of the general consumer, I would say most of them have their own style. In fact, most of them come in, they don't really want help shopping. They kind of walk in, they're like, I know what I want. They stand in the store, they go to what they pick. If it fits, they pick, they buy, they go. So a lot of them know what they want. They come in and they know who they are. They know what style they're doing, what fits them. And they're not driven by trends. They're not, they never come in and they're like, oh, there's a new trend now of color and I'm looking for it. They come specifically for something or they come and they find what's, what fits them. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's how they are. Yeah. Edgy, I want to come to you. Um, now for you who's based in New York, um, even though you know you may not hang around uh, so many Africans for me to be able to ask this question properly, but I just want to get your mindset on it. So for the African consumer who's probably based in the U.S. or wherever else, how do you think or what do you think 
they're gravitating towards? Are they running away from print as well? Are they shying away from it? Or are they actually more excited about the print? Uh, what is the consumer behavior? What, what, what would you say? What, what, what would you say is happening on that side of the world when it comes to how Africans are consuming on that side of the world? Well, I mean, it, it's very hard to say um, how Africans are consuming here, because as an African here myself, I um, my consumption my consumption uh, is yours is, is very much, different. Uh, yeah, but. <laughs> But I'm African too, right? you know. Okay. But I think it's predicated on it's predicated on on on, on trends, you know. I, last I think the other day we were having this conversation about designers being a catalyst, you know, like because if you don't show the client, the the customer, the the, the, the audience what the the trends are, if we don't care about the trends, the the customer, the the, the African consumer is never going to know about mm-hmm. them. And um, so we're not helping them. Yes, they will shop. They'll buy whatever we have. But it, if we move the, uh, you can see that if we move the chains, they will come with us, you know. That's for sure. So, but I'm, I'm really impressed with Wanjiku's uh, story, her store. I think it's so nice that she has that wide array that people could choose between. Um, they could choose to be really ethnic African or they could go on the sidelines or they could go uh, contemporary. And she has... She has that range to cover. And um, so that's really, really nice. But Sharon had a really, good, a really, really good point. Because we've always talked about how best do you sell Africa? Do you sell Africa in this blaze of color that we all known for, like prints and everything? Or do you just sell Africa as, as a fashion market that is contemporary, that is open to everybody, that you don't have to be an African chief just because? Because you bought an African dress, you know, you know. But, so it, it's it's nice to, to to see her perspective and also to see that if she wanted to be non-African for a minute, you know, uh, she wears Africa every day just by being who she is, her skin and everything. But if she wanted to just be a universal citizen and just be someone on the street. She could, you know, she could do that, you know. And so I think it's, it's, you can see that the African consumer, if, if, if we go by what Sharon is saying, is actually asking you as an African designer to, you know, come on, I live in Africa, but yes, can you dress me, Give me to go to London? Give me something else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And mm-hmm. not, not look like a, an African uh, princess. Yes, in, on but street, actually, I just London. want to, I just want to pause there because you need to stop saying those things. Like, we're, no one's trying to be made an African princess. And the truth of the matter is, the way that we, the way that we have this conversation is really the way, is where our minds are. So your mind right now says to me that everyone who's wearing African prints in Africa, African princesses. And it's not a good thing. It's that, it's just that shady thing that you're saying. But I feel that first of all, we have to understand that the impact of globalization has also put us in a position where you can no longer call African print African. It's not. It's, People call it tribal. People call it whatever. If Barbary is showing it on their on their runways, it doesn't mean that the origin of it has been forgotten. In fact, one of the things I've been doing consciously, and, and for those who are also listening, is I've been sharing on Fashion Lab uh, different African textiles from their originality because 
African print is actually China. It's not, I mean, sorry, generally the African print that we're consuming now that people think, oh my gosh, that's African print. That's not African print. That's something else that's been, that's stuff that is on mass production happening somewhere else. That's not African print. If you want to go back to your African roots and actually learn your African textiles, then you can come back and say to me, if you're wearing a Kikoi shirt, Kikoi, for those who Mm -hmm. don't know, is a Kenyan woven uh, fabric. But when you look at it, yes, when you look at the detail behind it and how it actually, the whole yarning process, the whole process of how to bring Kikoi to life, you're like, yeah, that's authentic. So if I want to wear a Kikoi skirt, which I don't want to wear personally, I, I probably want just, I just want the piece of cloth. But anyway, there's pieces of cloth. There's Akwete. I was talking about Akwete from the evil people uh, yesterday. Mm-hmm. And you have that and you have an origin of how this textile comes to life. So I think for me, one of the things I feel is happening is Africans are empowered. However, I still feel like people are not paying attention and not doing their homework and not understanding uh, the detail behind what we are actually in and what we are doing. When it comes to textile, African print is not necessarily African. So let's just remove that. And then for those who are tuned in who are interested in going further, you need to just go and do some research and find out what happens when it comes to our fabric and our textile. We are not... There's different things that I think are authentically African, and then there's the one where we are now pushing it. So African print is not African. But on the flip side... Thank God that the world is, has become a more colorful place. You look at the runways, everything's mm. color. Everyone wants to have, um, there's so much more expression when it comes to, um, you know, the colors and, and the trends we've seen uh, through the runways. Even just last season, if you look all over the world, I was looking at Seoul Fashion Week right now, just before we got into studio, and I was like, wow, Seoul is popping, and the color situation is like on fire. So I think Africa, let's just empower ourselves. African print is not what we think it is. Let's just, in fact, that's a topic for another day. I'm losing my breath. Let's just go back to what we're talking about. No, I mean, I totally, I totally hear you, to be honest with you. I think for me, for me, I'm also looking at it from the point of, of the African consumer uh, mm-hmm. as a challenge to the African designer, you know? Mm. And that's, you know, I, yes, it's, it's, it's so simplistic to say African prints. I, I guess that is not exactly what I mean. I'm just saying, could we, as an as African designers, um, could the African consumer be confident in us as African designers that we are where we need to be? And of course, there are no yardsticks for measuring where you need to be. But trends are always a very good measure of where of where the industry is. You know. Yeah, and and I want to just add on. Um, as much as we are getting insights from Sharon and Wanjiko who are sitting in Kenya right now, I think. We still have to agree. First of all, Mia was very inspired by that trip in Kenya. I'm like, actually, I'm inspired because there's a very serious evolution happening. And I feel like the way that fashion has been consumed and been, uh, you know, been served to the public is, is, has really become so fresh and it's so diverse and it's so many ways. And you've got your online platforms and then you've got the other people who are focusing on bringing in the other brands. Then you've got the Zaras who are trying to set base. Then you've got, there's so much. And that means that the consumer is aware. And like I said, when we were talking about, uh, this report from McKinsey, which is, even though it's a four year old, it's four years old, it's the truth about the African consumer. And the African consumer is very, very serious about their quality and their products and their brand conscience. So, this is not the dumping ground and African consumers are no longer consuming because of what 
people thought was a print which was supposed to be what African people are consuming and you look mm-hmm. around and you look around the fashion weeks SA fashion week just happened just now and you'll be very impressed but I love the fact that designers and brands have come out of their shells and said actually we have stories we have narratives that we want to share and it is beyond print it is beyond traditional fabric it is anything that makes you as a designer it's easy for you to now look at brands now and say oh wow i actually can see this brand's aesthetic other than just print 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 what happens when you remove the print and then like what what's left then how do we know who's who and what sets one brand apart from the other if you're playing in this game in this continent you're right yeah you're totally so, right. so i love what, the, yes go ahead and and just to contribute to what you're saying I think there's also a bit of a problem because, um, and it's not, it's not really a problem actually. It's just the fact that we need more people who curate stores and who are able to actually spot the trends. So, for example, if you look at Kenya, we've got the, um, the Nairobi Thrift Social. And the Nairobi Thrift Social is basically a whole movement that's coming up on vintage Africa. And you'll see um, basically young urban uh, boys and girls, and I'm not talking about boys and girls because I shouldn't call them boys and girls because these are people ranging from literally 16 to maybe uh, 28, 29, who have come up with what, what I mean, even Vogue has called vintage Africa, but what mm-hmm. I see as a mix of bohemian and vintage put together. And it's funny because this has been going on for maybe two years now. And now, if you look at the trends now, I mean, if you look at everything from cosmopolitan to call them all this, you know, the normal, uh, the normal trends, it's, it's just vintage is coming back in now and this mix of color, this, this, this look of difference. I don't even know how to call it, but there's something about people wanting to stand out, but there's also something about society allowing people to stand out. And I think as fashion designers and as people as, and curators, Wajiko in specific, you, I think we need to be able to spot this trends because it's these trends that actually get converted into money at the end of the day. Because people are saying something and it's not just African fabric. I mean, people go there dressed absolutely um I would call it different because my style is very classic and what I would call uh, when it goes to the edge, it's chic, but it's largely classic, you know. So when I look at them, I think of probably Shabba Ranks. All put together, plus a bit of, you know, plus a bit of uh, something chic to it. But this is a trend, and this is going on in Johannesburg as well. I mean, if you look at the glasses, you look at the the, the mix of prints and, and people look, doing. Um, yes, and I want yes, to just say it's yes. also going on in, in, in Nigeria as well. Guys, I don't know if you're looking or following this Nigerian fashion scene. It's just insane. I, it, so it's so insane, but it's it's. Um, I think it's very important that we're going to have to start having these conversations um, and really spending time on different markets because... At the end of the day, even though we are kind of on the same page, everything is still very different, um, a bit different. Like everything still stands out. So mm-hmm. what's going on on the streets of Johannesburg yeah. is not necessarily the same twang. There's a lot of influences that, no. uh, you know, that, that put these boys or these girls into how they put their stuff together. There's a lot of... Um, but where do they buy the clothes, Liz? I because think, the question is, if they're dressed like this and they don't buy the clothes from uh, department stores... I think or they mix the and match, Sharon. I think they're doing a lot of mixing and matching. 
I'm sitting right now opposite uh, somebody who came to see me. His name is Brandon. He's a stylist. And I have to take a picture of what he's wearing and actually tweet it because we are talking about him right now. And he, uh-huh. he, he's, he's got a floral shirt and then he's got a striped pants, which is literally barely on the ankle. And then he's got polka dot socks, which we have to see because obviously. There we go. And then like, but he's, he looks good. And I'm, but it's, yeah. I have a feeling he bought, yeah. he could have bought his shirt in a very normal, it could have been a Zara and then it could have been pants <laughs> bought in, I don't know where, but just remember that the way that fashion's coming to us these days, uh, you look at the stores, you've got, you've got all these things. It's just that you have to pull, maybe you might have to pull one from one store and then pull the bottom from somewhere else. So it's available in the normal store, modern stores, stores today. You don't need to go into a vintage store like we used to, to go look for a mix and match situation. Mm-hmm. Liz. Yeah. Liz. I would say, yes. Oh, sorry. Sorry, guys. But I think I think you're, you're also just stressing the point, though. Okay, <laughs> if you bought those things from Zara, right? Mm-hmm. Let's assume let's assume it's, it's one of those components is from Zara. I think the challenge is, if you didn't go to Zara, how aware is the African designer in terms of trends and everything to give and you those things that. across yeah. the board? You know, I think I think mm-hmm. that's that's our challenge really. Sorry, like I, I don't get it. So what you're saying is what? If he didn't go to Zara, then what? No, I'm mm-hmm. saying I'm saying let's say he didn't buy the if he didn't go to Zara, right? Mm-hmm. What is the African consumer giving him? Is the African designer giving him that? Yes. I promise you, I have to take the picture and send to you because I can have, I could have seen this shirt at Sheldon at Naked Ape. I could have seen this shirt at a few other brands I could mention right now, local brands. So yes, they are doing. In fact, one of the things I have felt personally about, uh, fashion week when I'm in South Africa is when I looked to see what people are showing, I've actually felt like there was, there was a time where I felt like everything was so plain Jane on the runway. I was like, my gosh, is there anything else going on? Or are people inspired or are people tired? Cause what's, what is it with the plain Janes all and the plain pants and the plain tops? And there was very plain times. Um, and Edgy, you who also has been able to, um, follow this very closely with us as we have it and we talk about it and there's nothing else we talk about when Fashion Week happens here is you would mm-hmm. have seen that there's definitely, uh, a progression. An yes, completely. Yeah. It's from blue and gray and black and burgundy to like, just mm-hmm. interesting mm-hmm. hints now. Anyway, guys, I want to, um, Wanjiko, I want to come back to you now. Um, so I still want to make one point. Yes. Based on what we were talking about just now. Yes. Sorry. Um, then we, then you can ask me that question. Um, but the one thing I wanted to say, what, what Edgy was talking about in terms of Zara, the whole issue of whether those, if those, if he didn't get his things from Zara, where would he get it from? Mm -hmm. I think it leads to the question of whether designers are listening to the consumer and if the designers are producing things at the cost that the consumer wants to buy them at. Because of Mm -hmm. course, buying something from Zara and buying something from a designer has a different cost implication. Yes. Yes. Very true. But yes, yes. But when you go, yeah, what I also just want to add on to, I'm just going to interject. Let's always remember that our production process in the continent is not, it's not, I don't know if it's a choice. We are here. We have to produce here right now and not have to, but unfortunately the costs are never going to, I don't know when I promise you, I don't see the costs coming lower. I really don't. And I'm, I am constantly producing 
in this continent and I have a headache every yeah. year. And I'm telling you right now that it's not even a choice. It's, uh, this is where we live. This is the cost of everything. You, you have to decide yeah. that you're going to continue to be an Africanist like me or you can go to China. Mm-hmm. Seriously. There's no, there's no, there's nothing, nothing's going to change. So unfortunately, when it comes to choice, uh, to, 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 to cost, and I love the fact that the, and I have had this conversation with Edgy, that the African fashion consumer also understands that. I'm telling you, they're so switched yeah. that they will understand why they come to Liz or go to who and pay 30% over what they could have paid easily at uh, H&M or wherever because they understand that Liz is locally producing and the cost is just different completely. So it's not even a choice. It's a, it's a situation. It's a fact. It's like... Yeah. And I think that's why we have to also pay attention. There are different consumers here. There's the one who will go and buy because of price mm-hmm. and there are others come in and they don't even look at the price tag. So then mm. it's knowing who your consumer is, whether you're the designer or whether you're the person who's curating a store or if you're the person who's styling. And then also to touch on what Sharon was saying, the whole thing about the thrift social, I think it's so important that even as a designer and myself, um, to pay attention to the ground. Because it's one thing to be in your room and design something that you've always wanted to, to design, but at the end of the day, fashion is business. So you also yeah. need to go to places like thrift social and see are you the type of designer that your target market is between 19 and 28? Then those are your people to pay attention to because you have the other target market who are from maybe 26 to like 40 who are very different. And then you have those who are 40 to 60 who Mm. might just come in and pay for something and spend a hundred thousand shillings, 10,000 rand equivalent, and they won't bat an eyelid. So it's it's knowing who your consumer is and then, finding out who they are in the country where you are at. Because Africa, honestly, there's so much going on. There's no, I believe there's no point really in trying to mimic what's happening internationally. Mm -hmm. There's such a vibe Mm -hmm. that if Mm -hmm. we just like open our eyes and like look around us, you can see that people are saying Yes. And paying attention, you know, there's so much that's happening and each country is so different. You have, you know, South Africa is completely different. Even Joburg from Cape Town is different. Yes. to Mombasa, it's different. True. If you have Lagos, you know, and and Angola, I mean, you know, it's everything. Every country is different. So it's mm-hmm. understanding that the continent was so strong mm-hmm. that designers that, that we don't need else, to look outside. We already have it in. We can just keep it locked, pay attention, yeah, and give our consumer what they need. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's is a, that really possible, Liz? I just want to uh, thank you who are tuned in uh, for tuning in uh we're just about to wrap up this conversation which uh has been really focusing on the african fashion consumer how they're consuming fashion today and uh you know what it what it is that we're also offering in the market because at the end of the day uh for business to happen and for business to actually grow we have to pay attention to the different um elements of it so there's the retail side of it and then there's the consumer is the consumer receiving what they want do they have access to it or are they still flying around like we used to long time where we just wait for the next trip to new york to go and splurge and buy everything and then come back home so it's been great we've been talking to sharon olago who is a trend spotter we've been also speaking to wanjiko nyoike who is the owner of uh Beautiful store in Nairobi carrying 14 Kenyan brands called the Designers Studio. And we've also been in a studio, I mean, talking with Edgy 
picking his insights around uh, what's going on with this African fashion consumer. For those of you who are tuned in, our lines are open, but we're also on Twitter, so it doesn't hurt to just send us a message. Share with us your thoughts. Let us know what you think. Let us know if you're winning. Let us know if you're happy with the current situation when it comes to what you consume from a fashion perspective, the accessibility of it, the price points and all of that. Um, as we get ready to uh, plug in the rest, um, I think for me personally, as a fashion consumer, as a fashion lover, I'm definitely not disappointed. And I love it when I travel into different cities across the continent and you get in and you feel the vibe and you find people looking amazing and everybody is just happy. I think we're living in a happier time of fashion. However, I am just plugging back into the fun side of fashion today because we're talking about the African fashion consumer and it's very refreshing where we are. We've been joined by special guests, Wanjiko Nyoike, who's the brainchild behind the designer studio in Nairobi. We've also been joined by Sharon Olago, who's a transporter, and we have Edgy Benson, as usual, um, in the house. Now, I think I just want to uh, re-welcome you guys to the show. <laughs> Is everyone here? Hello? Hello, yes. Oh, okay. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Liz. Yes. So I just want to, uh, literally, I think we're just going to wrap it up because we have spoken our hearts and I think the rest will be for tomorrow or another day. Um, however, I just want to come to you, Wanjiko, and just quickly, uh, as a last, um, just picking your brain before we uh, uh, say goodbye. Where do you see the future of the African fashion retailer when it comes to fulfilling the consumer's demands? Wanjiko? is not here with us. Okay, I'm going to come to you. Sharon, are you here with me? <laughs> yeah, I'm here with, I'm here with you. Yes. So I'm Sharon, here yeah, so Sharon, let's just uh -huh. talk about, um, for me, I think also just pick your mind again uh, as a parting shot. Where do you actually see the future of African fashion uh, consumer when it comes to the accessibility of every brand and product they want without having to pay higher prices or travel to get value? Because you I have know, to say I'm very, yeah. uh-huh, yeah. I'm very optimistic. Um, firstly, I do believe if we had people, fashion transporters in Africa, you know, and especially those that end up defining what global fashion is, they would realize that fashion is actually defined in Africa before it goes out. And I truly believe that, especially when I look at designers, you included, and, and look at the kinds of designs that come way before they are fashionable, you know, mm. and we end up wearing them. So th there's a small divide. We have the designers who are doing a great job, but the infrastructure for making these designs is what is lacking. So the fabric is, uh, I mean, the fabric that's available, especially in Kenya, does not meet international standards. Um, I mean, it does not meet the international prints. If we start with that, you know, and it's too expensive. Mm -hmm. Manufacturing is expensive. Uh, tailoring, even if you're using one tailor, if maybe you're the kind of designer who makes uh, um, very customized clothes. It's still expensive. Mm -hmm. So the moment we can, we as an industry and the moment, um, the moment the industry can be corrected by making sure that fabric is available good quality fabric in the colors, in international, you know, sorry, in the, in the kind of colors that are appealing, not just locally, but internationally. But in addition to that, have the labor, labor that is affordable so that designers can be able to make 
um, a good profit, but also so that we can transfer some of the savings, you know, to the consumer by charging less for clothes. I think things will be good. So I am very, I am extremely um, optimistic. I think uh, the fashion, I think trends are actually defined in Africa. It's just that people do not spot them and they, they, they end up being identified later on, maybe years, years later on in the States or in Europe or in somewhere in Asia. But originally, if you look at how people are just dressing, if you look at how people speak, if you look at change, innovation and the fact that things are changing so quick in Africa, so does fashion. So I am optimistic. Thank you so much, Sharon, for joining us. Um, for those of you who are tuned in, you can follow us again on Fashion Lab AF on Twitter. We're on Fashion Lab Africa on Facebook and Instagram. And we're going to definitely share, uh, you know, just this conversation further um, on social media. We're on www.fashionlabafrica.com for more information and also information around our guests. Thank you so much for joining us. Sharon, thank you for joining us and uh, continue to um, hold it down on that side. Uh, for who would you want to dress is normally our last segment, but today I want to dress Sharon and the fact that she was actually wearing me. Um, otherwise, for those who have been tuned in, thank you for joining us. Um, share your comments, uh, find us on social media, and let's continue this conversation. Peace and love until next week. Fashion Lab on cliffcentral.com. Cliffcentral.com.